You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As you can probably tell by my voice, the battle continues against man flu. Uh, still on the men, so I apologise in advance if you see me, A, reaching for a hot drink, B, reaching for a tissue, and C, sneezing or coughing mid-podcast. I have to get that out there nice and early because there's always someone in the comments who goes, Oh my God, he's coughing all over the place. Oh my God, he looks like shit. I'm telling you in advance. I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm fighting through this because it's important that we get a preview out for what is going to be a really, really huge and important game for the Arsenal coming up this weekend. So, um, wanted to get that out of the way early doors. On this edition, we're going to be discussing whether the break between fixtures has done Arsenal any favours, whether it's been a pro or a con. We'll be talking about what to expect from Roy Hodgson's Watford in this fixture. We'll be discussing the Takahiro Tomiyasu rumours, whether Emil Smith-Rowe should come back into the starting eleven. I'll be sharing with you guys my preferred starting eleven for the game against Watford and we'll be talking predictions as well. We'll also take some of your questions towards the back end of the show as well. Let's say a few hellos to those of you in the chat. Hope everybody is uh, is well. Uh, big hello to Afsar, to Vengas House, uh, to Champion Communications, to Richard, to Avram, uh, to Steve, uh, to Matt, to Dave. Hope you guys are all well. Uh, and of course to Nas as well, who's just dropped into the comment section. Okay, um, let's do it. Let's uh, let, let's start off by talking about this break. You know, it seems to feel like at the moment that there's an age between every single fixture. And I know that going in to the next round of fixtures, we've got some games, you know, in the next few weeks where we are playing, I think, three times in nine days where we play Leicester, Liverpool, and then we've got another league game uh, in that kind of really short period of time. So I know that we're kind of going to pay for this going forward uh, a little bit further down the line. But of course, Arsenal's, uh, you know, elimination from the FA Cup at the third round stage, as well as Arsenal not being in European competition this season, has led to this being a thing all season long. We've obviously not had uh, as intense a fixture schedule as, as some of the others. I think we've been quite unlucky, though, in the way that some of our games that were postponed due to COVID reasons have then been scheduled into times that I don't think were ideal uh, for us. But we've had to do what we've had to do. And I think when you come into a game or, or, or you finish a game in the way that we did against Wolves at home uh, last Thursday now, you, you know, you almost want the next game to come around, not instantly because we put a lot into the game and it takes a lot out of you, but you want it to come around a lot sooner then this game at Watford is coming around because you score a 95th minute winner, that breeds confidence. It gives you momentum. It gives you a buzz and a desire and a hunger to then go out on the pitch and do it all again sooner rather than later. And I'm not saying that the buzz that was generated from that 95th minute winner or the result that that contributed to has gone, but 
you know, it's harder, I think, to to kind of use that when more time has passed since that event. So I don't actually think that it's done Arsenal any favours, the fact that we've had to play games so far apart. I think it can disrupt momentum. I think it can disrupt routine. Uh, I know that some of the players have had a day, a couple of days off. We've seen uh, various pictures and, and posts on social media, which suggests that they've had a bit of downtime uh, during this period as well. And um, yeah, it's a good thing in some ways. It gets you to clear your mind and you know, it gives you the opportunity to focus on things outside of football. And sometimes that can be a good thing, a much needed break. But yeah, um, I'm not really sure that it's ideal the way that it's worked out. And I think, you know, speaking from a content creator's perspective as well, it's difficult because there isn't as much to talk about. But look, if Arsenal, if this is the difference, as in Arsenal having these long breaks, getting the opportunity to work on things tactically, giving people the opportunity to recover, um, you know, from from fatigue and from potential injury issues. And this is what helps us get the top four come the end of the season. Then who cares about content creator perspective? But having gone from like 100 miles an hour last season to like, you know, from where we were playing games on Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, to then be in this position where there are long gaps. And, you know, I know that the content's been less as a consequence of that, but I don't just want to make stuff for the sake of it. So, um, you know, and I think that then dilutes the quality of what we're putting out. So, yeah, um, it, it's a weird season in that sense. What can we expect from Watford going into this game? Well, I think that it's pretty clear what we're going to get from Watford. I think that Roy Hodgson, throughout his years as a Premier League manager, has shown himself to be very pragmatic. I think he's managed a lot of clubs who were, if you like, unfancied clubs, uh, clubs who have been in danger of facing the drop. And that's certainly the situation he finds himself in at Vicarage Road. Currently, he's taken over the Hornets in a very, very precarious position. And if we go over um, to the Premier League's website and we have a look at some of the kind of uh, stats and facts going into this game, you'll see that although Watford's position is is not particularly um, positive or good, you know, you'll see that they did get a draw away at Old Trafford, a hard-fought draw at Old Trafford. You'll see that they did win um, at Aston Villa just a little while ago. They only narrowly lost uh, away at West Ham. They were beaten at home by both Brighton and Crystal Palace, which were obviously disappointing results. But the point is that, you know, they are, well, at least in their last three, they've picked up four points from that. So whatever Roy Hodgson is doing is having some effect. It's having some impact. And where does that come from? It comes from him being able to put out a defence that, not every week, clearly, because you can't polish a turd. You can't turn a leaky defence that's been Watford's problem all season into a really solid outfit just in the space of a few weeks. But Roy Hodgson has shown that in at least one-off games, they can sit up and they can be difficult. They were difficult at Aston Villa. They managed to nick a goal through Emmanuel Dennis and won that game by a goal to nil. And they were able to keep a clean sheet at Old Trafford. Now, at Old Trafford, they had quite a slice of fortune, I would argue. Manchester United created more than enough chances and opportunities to win that game, but they just weren't able to take those opportunities. But the point I'm trying to make here is that, you know, Watford have gone... Um, some way in improving under Roy Hodgson. Now, is it new manager bounce? Some will say that. You know, some will say that what we're seeing from them is 
natural, brought in a new manager. And so there's going to be some sort of upturn. I beg your pardon. So I think that, you know, we should expect a difficult game at Vicarage Road. I don't expect Arsenal to go there and steamroller them. Are we capable of going and steamrolling a club like Watford and a team like Watford in our current state and in their current state? Yeah, of course we are. Um, you know, so if Arsenal were to race into a commanding lead early on and then see the game out, I wouldn't be surprised by that. But I think if I'm thinking pragmatically and I'm thinking about the significance of this game to both sides, you know, and it is hugely significant to Arsenal. We keep talking about there being 14 cup finals remaining between now and the end of the season. But also for Watford, this is about survival. And there is still a glimmer of hope for Watford. You know, it's not all done and dusted. It's not a foregone conclusion that they won't be in the Premier League uh, next season just yet. So I think the significance of the game probably will contribute to something a little bit more cagey than maybe the general public are expecting. Um, I think Arsenal need to be patient. I think Arsenal need to bide their time. I think the quality that we have in certain areas of the park will allow us or will give us the opportunity to create chances. When those chances come along, we need to be clinical. We need to take them. And part of that has influenced my team selection, which I'm going to share with you guys in just a few moments time. But I think it's a game that could quite easily be a lot less comfortable than maybe the bookmakers are, are, are predicting or forecasting just because of the significance of it. I think in games like this, it's so key that if you can, you pick up an early goal. And I think what Arsenal have shown recently is that they want to strangle teams. You know, we we will come on to talk about the team in a little bit, but we've been talking quite a bit in the last few weeks about the uh, the slightly tweaked system. It's no longer really a 4-2-3-1. It's a lot more like a, uh, you know, a 4-3-3 with Partey sitting at the foot of that midfield with Granit Xhaka and Martin Odegaard pressing forward in uh, half spaces, one on the right-hand side, Martin Odegaard, and one on the left in Granit Xhaka. We've seen that Arsenal have been more effective in strangling sides and then when winning the ball back, had players in more advanced positions quicker. And, and I think it's been, you know, it's been a breath of fresh air. I think we will look to strangle Watford. I think we will look to overwhelm them. We will look to win the ball high up the pitch. But I think that Watford will sit in a very deep uh, starting position. They'll they'll use a low block. And I think that we'll have a lot of the ball and be trying to break open a really tight and uh, a really sort of stubborn defence. So I think patience is, is key. But if you get that early goal, then what that does is it says, you know, it, it changes the game state moving forward. You know, if you score an early goal away at a side who's probably main priority or intention would be to keep you out and keep a clean sheet. Make no mistake about it. Roy Hodgson will look at the fixtures and although time is running out for Watford, he will look at games uh, against the likes of Arsenal, Manchester United, uh, Tottenham Hotspur, Man City, Liverpool, teams that we or teams that Watford really don't have any business competing with at the moment. He'll be looking at those fixtures as free hits, games in which he can if he does get something like he got a point at Manchester United, that can be channeled as a real confidence booster. But it's not a game that, that he expected to take anything from. And I feel like this is the case here. But if you do get an early goal, if you as Arsenal manage to break down a Watford side, who I'm 
almost certain main priority will be to be defensively sound and keep us at bay, then you then draw them out. You put them in a position where, what do they do? Do they just sit back and lose the game? No, of course they won't, especially not in their position, especially not in their predicament. They will come out, they will play you, and they will leave spaces in behind that you can then go on to exploit. So it's going to be... Um, you know, it's going to be an intriguing contest tactically, I think. I think I'm pretty certain on how it's going to go. I think Arsenal will have the ball. I think Arsenal will be the ones uh, sort of trying to make the headway. Watford will be looking to stick in the game for as long as possible and relying on the fact that people like, for example, Emmanuel Dennis uh, can pop up. Now, if you think about, um, you know, Watford's record overall this season, obviously they currently find themselves... Uh, down in 19th position. Um, but you look at some of the other bits and pieces like uh, chances created per match. They actually create, according to the Premier League stats, more clear chances per match than Arsenal do on average. They create 1.31 uh, in comparison to Arsenal's 1.17. So it's not that uh, Watford have a real problem in, in the final third and in the attacking sense of things. It's that they have issues defensively that Roy Hodgson has taken steps to try and resolve. So let's um, let's see uh, how that goes. Let's see um, what comes of that. But I, I think it could end up being a much tougher uh, game than, than many people are predicting. Now, if you look at uh, the recent form guide, as I mentioned, they picked up points at Old Trafford and they won away at Aston Villa. Arsenal on a really good run as well. Three wins out of three wins uh, away at, at Wolves at home against Wolves and with a victory over Brentford, in which the scoreline didn't really tell um, the full story in between. Uh, so, yeah, we're on a good run of form. And, and I understand why people are making us really, really strong favourites, but no game in the Premier League is easy. And that's why we can't afford right now to look that far ahead. Add to that the fact that although we've been critical of Manchester United and of, of Tottenham and of, um, you know, some of the other teams in the race for the top four this season, we are just as capable of those abject performances that can kick you up the backside and, and, and can cause you serious damage as anybody else. So let's just be wary of that. Let's just be mindful of that. And um, I'm interested to gauge you guys' feelings and thoughts going into this game because because I'm not really sure how to feel like there's a part of me that feels like, yeah, Arsenal are far superior to Watford. We're in great form. We should go out there and absolutely blitz them. And there's this part of me that's wary of, of how much better they seem to be in a short period of time defensively, at least in certain fixtures under Roy Hodgson and how that could stand to frustrate an Arsenal side that still isn't as clinical as I'd like it to be. And that still isn't, um, as free-flowing as I'd like it to be at certain points. But there we go. Let's see what you guys are saying. And I have put a poll in the chat as well, um, in which I asked the question, how are you feeling going into this weekend's fixture? Now, 81% of you say confident. 19% of you, though, say nervous. And I feel like I'm somewhere in between here. Is it because I've been burnt in the past with Arsenal? Is it because I've got carried away with Arsenal's progress or what I thought was Arsenal's progress in the past that I'm always wary of going that step too far uh, in terms of, of how we move forward and in terms of my perception of the team going forward? I don't know. Maybe that plays a part. 
um, you get hurt, you get burnt, then it, it, it changes your approach and your outlook to things. But let's see um, what some of you guys are saying in the chat. Nishith says, honestly, never been confident until the Wolves game, but I am now for this game. He then goes on to say, please don't let us down, lads. Steve Stone says, from here on in, it's all about the points. Come what may, we have to get three points. I'm confident. Come on, you gunners. Uh, Back says, I don't care if it's 1-0 as long as we keep it tight. Uh, big hello to UK Random 78 as well. Uh, big shout out to Kiri. Make sure uh, you give Kiri's uh, channel a follow as well. Uh, click on it. It's in the link in the description. Uh, it's in the comments, sorry. You just click on his name and it should take, should take you directly over to his channel. Give that a watch and give that a subscribe as well. Hope you're good, man. Um, Molly says, we've got to be wary of Watford. Let's not forget when they absolutely punished Man United a couple of months ago. Yeah, they did. But what I would say is this, you know, Manchester United were, that was arguably their lowest point under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, right? That was the turning point for a lot of Man United fans in whether or not Ole Gunnar Solskjaer should remain in charge of the club. So Man United were in a bad way and Arsenal, I would argue, are in a good way. I don't expect us to get pulverised the way that Manchester United did, but it's a game we should be wary of, as is every fixture in the Premier League, like I keep saying. And whenever I say things like that, the classic response I get in the comments is people saying, where are your standards? This is Arsenal Football Club. We should be steamrolling teams like Watford. The Premier League has changed dramatically in the last few years. We talk about it being the biggest league in the world, the most attractive league in the world, the best product aside from the officiating. Well, that's why, because there is jeopardy in every single fixture in this division, you know, and and that's what makes it so interesting and so intriguing. So, you know, unless we're at Manchester City's level or Liverpool's level, you don't look at every single fixture and go, well, that should be a given victory. And Arsenal is still a long way from there, I would argue. So um, that's why I'm wary. And that's why I'm, I'm sort of mindful of all of that. Paul says, I'm nervous because we won all our games last month and have been playing well. Just when we think we've got it cracked, we do something unexpected like lose. Never seen a season like this. Yeah, but it's important, Paul, that we recognise that this team is still developing. It's still young. It's the youngest team in the Premier youngest squad in the Premier League. And so there's still a lot to be learned. And, and so I think to expect perfection is probably unrealistic. And that's why we get into these points where we go, yes, we finally cracked it, as you quite rightly say and then end up being kind of cast back into reality so yeah uh, you know I get what you're saying but I think that this inconsistency stuff it's a problem that's plagued a lot of the teams in and around us and you only need to finish above what you're competing with right you don't you know to get into the Champions League this season perfection is not a requirement perfection is something you'd love and, and something you aspire to obviously but you only need to be better than the teams that you're also competing with. And we've seen, as I mentioned earlier, that all of us in this race for the top four are capable of those abject, disappointing and underwhelming performances. Matt says, uh, on paper, this should be relatively or should be a relatively routine three points. I just hope the pressure of the top four doesn't get to the team. Me too. Uh, Going back to that stat about the chances created or big chances created, Vengas House says um, that's a shocking stat. Uh, we all follow the Arsenal, says, uh, over our history playing Watford never has been easy. They've beaten us nearly as many times as we've beaten them. Let me just revert back uh, to the Premier League's page. 
we can have a look uh, at the recent meetings between the two sides. If you look at the overall meetings in the Premier League, of which there have been 15, Watford have only won two of those. And there's only been one draw, okay, which means that Arsenal have won 12. So it doesn't really back up that stat in terms of the overall history or, or doesn't really back up that point you're making, mate, in terms of the overall history. But if you look in recent times, there have been some difficult games. You know, we we drew uh, 2-2 at Vicarage Road in September 2019. Um, but we did beat them uh, in our last two fixtures. In fact, we've won four out of the last five. So I think there's this kind of perception about Arsenal and Watford, maybe because of the whole Troy Deeney game and the whole Cajonas thing and all of that stuff. But really, the record against Watford is pretty strong and something to take encouragement from, I would say. OK, let's move uh, further through the comments. Uh, let's take a couple more um, and then we will, of course, um, bring you uh, some chat about the team. Uh, some chat about the lineup and, of course, predictions, etc., etc. Okay, um, doo -doo 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 -doo. Uh, if there are questions, because there are a few going into the live chat, I promise, hold fire on them, um, and I will pick them up uh, a little bit later on in the program, uh, just because I want to do a and a session at the end, and um, it helps me keep uh, the structure of the show without going all over the place. Someone's asking in the chat, when is the press conference? Now, I, I've been told that it's at one thirty. I wanted to ideally do the Watford preview after the press conference. I normally do the match previews after the press conference, but because it's a bit later in the day, um, I had to get this out and had to get this done. But I am doing a show later today at 5 p.m. UK time, which will be out in podcast format first thing Saturday morning with Tom Canton uh, on our weekly crossover. So we will uh, discuss some of the key points from the press conference during that show. So if you want fallout from that, you can find that right here just a little bit later on. But the press conference is scheduled for 1.30 and will be wrapped up by then so that you can jump along uh, and, of course, watch that. OK, so what would I do in terms of team selection going into the game this Sunday? Um. It's uh, it, it's going to be interesting because, you know, there's a few decisions that need to be made. There's a few things that need to be considered. I think that obviously what we saw uh, against uh, against Wolves will have uh, implications in that, will have a knock-on effect on that. I think for me, there's a couple of things that we need to kind of address. The first one is Takahiro Tomiyasu. Now, remember, as I say, I'm doing this before the press conference, but I expect Mikel Arteta to say that Takahiro Tomiyasu is still unavailable. And that's a big worry. And that's a big concern. These injury issues, this calf problem that he seems to have had over the last few weeks just isn't going away. He's been really uh, struggling to shake it. And while I think Cedric's done okay in recent games, and I think he's done a, a fairly good job coming in and deputising, the level of our opponents hasn't been elite. You know, with the exception of Wolves, who were in competition with us, I think everybody else that Cedric's played against, he's been able to kind of get away with it. You know, Wolves were very defensive, were very negative, and I don't think he had to do as much defending as he'd have liked. Long story short, I quite like Cedric as a backup right back, but I think if you have to play with him over a long period of time, i.e. seven, eight, ten games, then you will start to see the shortcomings and you'll start to see how defensively, at least, he weakens us. So um, I am concerned about the Tommy Asu thing, but if he's not fit and it's a big risk, then you don't play him. It's as simple as that. You know, this issue is something that we need to manage correctly. 
and something that we need to shake sooner rather than later. So I want to see uh, if there is still any doubt, which I think there is, over Takira Tomiyasu. Cedric continue at right back. I, there are a lot of people that are really anti-Cedric and have constantly said that they prefer to see Ben White move out to right back and Rob Holding come in at centre-back. For me, that's the complete wrong approach. I always think that you should only weaken one position if you can help it. I mean, why do you want to weaken two positions to try and accommodate one? I think that White and Gabriel's central defensive period has been key to Arsenal's progress this season. And I want to see that develop further. And I want to see that, um, you, you know, I want to see that progress. And, and I think, it, as I say, it's key to where we are, where we are. Um, this is a really good point as well from the signature in the comments. He says, Cedric is showing some level of competency. Let it continue and let him develop some confidence. Absolutely. And I've talked about this before. We're not going to go down the Cedric rabbit hole again on this show. But what I've said in the past about Cedric is that he is very much somebody who benefits from playing regularly. Now, I know that's an easy thing to say, but some players mentally are better at coping with being a substitute and what's required when you come on. Uh, that's not to say they're better as substitutes than they are as starters, but some players are able to grasp, um, you know, what being a substitute is and how best to kind of handle that uh, more than others. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, for example, was great at that, wasn't he? If you remember back to his playing days, you know, he'd come on and he was a super sub and there have been lots of players over the years that have been regarded as super subs. Cedric is not one of those guys. He needs to be playing regularly. And um, and when he is, I think he's at a much better level. Uh, so let's see. Uh, let's see what we got. Uh, Christoph says, apparently Tommy's condition is not as bad as first thought. Per Tom earlier on the Guna talk, he may still feature against Watford. Yeah, I, and I'm interested to hear what Mikel says. I, I don't really expect Mikel Arteta to give too much away on this. He usually doesn't. He told us ahead of the last couple of games that he was in contention, but then he didn't play. Um, so I, I, I don't really expect him to give an awful lot away on this, but fingers crossed it isn't that serious. And if he is left out again, it is just precautionary why he continues that recovery. Because as I said, I like Cedric. I like what he's done in recent weeks, but I think he's, um, I think over a period of time, as he's also brought up in the comments, we could be found out in that position if he continues to play. So my team to face uh, Watford at Vicarage Road on Sunday is Ramsdale in goal, Cedric at right back, White, Gabriel and Tierney. The midfield trio of Partey in the middle, Xhaka to the left, Odegaard to the right. Smith Rowe on the left. I, I didn't think that Martinelli was very good uh, against Wolves. I thought it was the right decision to take him off um, the way that Mikel Arteta did. You know, that's not to say he he's he should be left out of the team. But as I've said to you guys previously, I just think that Smith Rowe at the moment is more of a difference maker for Arsenal and, and should start when available. And I know he was ill. And that's why he missed the Wolves game. It was an injury. We can assume that he's recovered uh, by now. He has been back in training. So fingers crossed he's available. And if he is, he plays from the left for me. Uh, I've seen a lot of people talking about Nicola Pepe and the positive impact he obviously had uh, in the game against Wolves as well. But did he do enough to start ahead of Bukayo Saka? I've gone with Bukayo Saka because I just think he's so, so important to us right now. And I also think that um, Bukayo Saka's defensive contribution and, and and I know earlier in the season at times I've looked back and said well he hasn't come back and, and helped out enough but I just think Saka and Cedric seems to work a little bit better as well 
And if Cedric's going to play, I think that's probably something I would look at. Pepe did more than enough to warrant being considered in the starting lineup. But I think that Pepe has that capability to come in and impact the game later on as well. So he narrowly misses out for me in the starting lineup, although he is playing with a new confidence and he is playing uh, with a new zest. And lots of you are saying in the chat that you'd bring Pepe in. And look, if Mikel Arteta names the team on Sunday and he's gone Pepe over Saka, you're not going to hear me complaining about it, but it's just what I think he's going to do and probably what I would do. Given, I know Saka's tired. I know he's been run into the ground, but we've had a good long break um, since our last game. So I think he'll probably feel as though he's had enough recovery time. And it'd be interesting to know, wouldn't it, how his workload has been managed since we last played our game in terms of training. You know, has he been given extra rest? Has, you know, we know a lot of the players have had more rest than they normally get, but there's just, it, it, there's a lot to factor in here that we don't maybe always know uh, enough about to, to judge or understand why certain decisions are being made. But I think I'd go just with Saka because I think he's been so important. And him and Smith-Rowe as a, as a combination have been really, really key. And of course, Lacazette leads the line uh, for me. OK, uh, just before we move on, I just want to bring you uh, to the attention uh, of Football Prizes, our new partners. And if you'd have been watching the show over the last uh, few days, you'll have seen that there was a signed Thierry Henry shirt up for grabs. All you had to do was head over to Football Prizes, link in the description, buy your ticket for four ninety five, and your name would be entered into the draw of 99 people, giving you a chance to win that splendid prize. Now, that has been sold out. And that competition is now over. But football prizes are not stopping there. They've got another fantastic Arsenal prize up for grabs. And it's a signed and custom framed football boot by Ben White, who's been uh, brilliant this season. He's captured the imagination of the Arsenal fans already very fast, becoming a fan favourite. So uh, if you are interested in getting involved in this, head over to the link in the description and you can buy a ticket for just £5.95. You'll then be automatically entered into the draw. And all the details of that draw, where it takes place, how you can keep up to date with it, etc., can be found at that link. So please do check it out. Okay. So moving on. Um, let's take a few of your questions just for the last sort of uh, 10 or so minutes. While you're getting those questions in, um, I just want to quickly remind you that if you haven't hit the like button already, what are you waiting for? Please do that. It really, really does help. Help us get up to at least 100 likes. It really, really does make a difference. And please subscribe to the channel if you're new. We continue on our goal towards 20,000, uh, which we're hoping to achieve by the end of the Premier League season. And we'd really, really do, uh, could really do with your help. So like, subscribe, you know the drill by now. Get your questions in the chat box too. Uh, I'm always uh, I'm always grateful for that as well. Now let's um let's see what you guys uh, are saying in there. I have got a question uh, relating to Ben White, which I I, I favorited earlier because um I, I knew it would be a good one to to come back to a little bit later on. But Nikhil says, <clears throat> "Beg your pardon, my throat is just tingling all over the place. I, I can't tell you how difficult it was to." be on a two-hour radio show yesterday without coughing. Nightmare. And I have to say thanks to Adi Oladipo, by the way, uh, the host of the show, who uh, spotted me a couple of times, kind of like giving him the plea to like take over so that I could 
move away from the mic and uh, and cough it out. So, uh, yeah, big shout out to Addy as well. Uh, Nikhil's question, going back to that, is has Ben White been the best English centre-back this season? Always love to tune into your streams, Harry. Love from India. He's been right up there and he should be in consideration. Like, you know, it was clear that during the summer, last summer, he wasn't in the same uh, bracket, at least in England's eyes, as Tyrone Mings. And I think he's overtaken him by quite some distance. So I think there's a good argument. You know, he's been better than Maguire. Um, has he been better than Stones? I don't really know. Uh, Stones is always has his moments, but I think overall has been quite good the last few seasons. So I think that he's definitely in the conversation. You know, I can't think of too many better uh, than Ben White. So he's surely fired himself up the pecking order in that sense. Uh, thank you, Nikhil, for the question and, and love to uh, everyone joining us from India as well. A uh, big thank you to uh, Sam Tresida, who's just signed up as a member of the channel. Um, thank you so much, mate. Really, really appreciate it. Welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna family. Uh, if you head over to the community tab as a member, you should now be able to see the link to the Discord server. Uh, which I'd love you to come and join. Great conversations going on in there all day. And there's details of our member stuff and opportunity to get your questions into our weekly members mailbag show. So please uh, do get involved over there. Thank you. Uh, big hello to the Wandering Minstrel as well. Hope you're good, man. Um, Abdulaziz says, what happened to your voice? I've got a cold, man. I've got a cold and it's killing me. And, you know, when your job is based on using your voice, it you don't... Like what what can I do? Like if I take a few days off, I don't get paid. And you know, it's it, it's not one of those jobs where you can just go, oh, I'm sick, I'm not coming in today. You gotta just get on with it. And um, yeah, it's been uh it's been tough, but that's what's happened to my voice. Uh Matt says, Pepe or Martinelli, who gets more goals or assists over the remainder of the season? For me, Pepe, even if he's doing it as a substitute, his conversion rate. Or, you know, his rate at which he produces assists and goals in comparison to some of the Arsenal, the rest of the Arsenal players is just so much more superior. And it's why I've always said that he has a role to play. You know, people have criticised me for backing Nicolas Pepe at times. And I've always said, have him on the pitch. He has a chance of producing you something and a greater chance than a lot of the players that we have out there. You know, I said at the start of the season, one of my big concerns was could Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe step up to something more like Nicolas Pepe's level in that regard. Emil Smith-Rowe's done it, but Kaio Saka's gone some way in doing it. And I think that's been key in their improvement. And it's why we are where we are, because their improvement has meant that we can now push on. But yeah, you know, I I still believe that despite the promise um, and the quality shown by Gabriel Martinelli, I still think Nicolas Pepe today is a, is a bigger goal threat just because of... Um, of how calm and cool he is in front of goal and how ruthless he is in those positions. I mean, that that touch and finish for the goal against Wolves the other night was superb. It really, really was. And he's, he's really good in those positions when it's just instinct, when instinct kicks in, a wonderful finisher. So, yeah, um, I think Nicolas Pepe wins there. Um, let's take this one from Jonathan, who says, thoughts and opinion on the Darwin Nunez links as a striker to Arsenal. I've actually talked about Darwin Nunez on a video where we discussed striking options for Arsenal a little while ago, it brings a lot of the attributes that I'd imagine and expect Mikel Arteta is looking for. But I also recognise um, that there's still question marks around whether that will be translatable to the Premier League. Um, 
but yeah, you know, he, he's someone that we should consider. But for me, you know, when the January window shut, all the transfers talk just went to bed. You know, we've got to leave that now and we've got to look. You know, there's no point in crying about what we don't have. Let's look at what we do have. Let's focus on how to best utilise that and hopefully achieve Champions League qualification, which I've got to be honest, I didn't think was possible at the start of the season. I'm now much more optimistic. I'm now much more positive. Um you know, and, and I'm much more hopeful. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's see how it goes. And with the transfer talk, you know, I get it. It's something that people always want to hear about and always want to discuss. But I just think right now we've got to focus on on the task at hand, which is winning these games um, that are coming up thick and fast now between now and the end of the season. Uh, Avram says, uh, what players do we need to rest for the next three games? I think, you know, one of the positives of being out of all the other competitions is that you don't really have to rest as much if people are managed right and recover right. And and I think what we've seen in the Premier League is we've seen varying approaches. We know that there are managers out there who do like to give players time off in between games because they feel that that benefits them. You know, it's it, they're still maintaining their fitness level and sharpness level, um, but maybe taking their foot off the gas just slightly in training. Um and there are other managers who get criticised and accused of blowing their players as gaskets, i.e. Marcelo Bielsa, who got that criticism quite a lot uh, during his time at Leeds United. I don't think there's anyone really that, you know, I think the one that stands out to me, the one that I look at sometimes and think he looks a little bit leggy now, late on in games, looks a bit tired, looks a bit burnt out, is Bukayo Saka. Um, but with Nicolas Pepe seemingly coming into form, that maybe gives Mikel Arteta the opportunity to do that. Will he do it on Sunday? I'm not so sure. I think he's got big faith and big love uh, for Bukayo Saka, and I think he'll probably start the game. But if there's one that I think we probably need to rest, I think it's it's probably him. Um, Wondering Mitchell says, Harry, do you think the non-believing fan base has started to change their thinking towards Arteta and their plans going forward? I think it's impossible um, not to, uh, not to, be more encouraged and more positive about what you're seeing. But also, we've got to be careful not to, to get carried away, right? This could quite easily still blow up in our faces. So I'm kind of in this place where I'm like quietly optimistic, but don't want to go too big on it just from fear of, uh, of, of my knowledge that this Arsenal team still have a long way to go, still have a lot of shortcomings and could still produce, as I keep saying, those abject performances that can let your season uh, unravel. Um, seen some uh, horrible comment just come up in the the chat box um, of a racial nature. And I've, I've blocked that person and kicked them out of the chat just to reiterate, none of that will be accepted in the chat of this channel. Um, it will be dealt with quickly, as quickly as I can see it and as quickly as I can get to it. And those people will be blocked. So I do apologise if anybody uh, come across that in the comments and was offended by it. Um, Champion Communication says, uh, would you take Watkins from Villa? No, um, I wouldn't. Um, I really, really wouldn't. I commented on something yesterday. There was a there was a conversation going on on, on Twitter where there was a, a quote from a, a I think it was from a report, and it was relayed on Twitter. And the report said something like, "You know, Aston Villa are recognizing that Ollie Watkins or, or feel that Ollie Watkins or Stephen Gerrard feels that Ollie Watkins is not the A list. I think the quote was A list striker that he needs." It's not the A-list striker that we need either. And that's my opinion on it. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it in a little bit more detail, maybe when, when the transfer window opens up again and we go through the candidates that are being linked and we talk through them. But for reasons I explained 
earlier on in the season. Lots of hard work, lots of, you know, industry, but not the guy for me, you know, and as well. I beg your pardon. When when we were in January and thinking we were going to sign Dusan Vlavic and Alexander Risak, the kind of indirect message that came from the club was, we are not going to pull the trigger on something that we don't feel is the right thing just for the sake of doing it now. And having taken that into consideration and kind of adapting to the idea and the thought process of, well, let's wait and get what we actually want in the summer. I can't now back something like Watkins. I feel that that would be really, really underwhelming. The other side of that coin, though, is, of course, that, you know, Mikel Arteta bought players last summer that we thought were underwhelming who have gone on to do really well. So I wouldn't be sitting here going, what the fuck are you doing, Mikel? But, you know, um, it's it's not the option I'd go for. It's not the option I'd explore. Uh, just going to take a couple more questions just because um, Mikel Arteta's press conference is just a few minutes away and I want to get onto that. Um, we will talk a little bit again uh, later on around all of that. So come and join me at 5pm with, with Tom Canton live on the channel. Big hello to uh, Ashish uh, from Nepal, who joins us as well. Um, let's take this one. Uh, Sam Tressida, how long before Spurs and United catch up on the culture and mentality first approach that Arteta has implemented at Arsenal? And it's perfect for their situations. Yeah, I I've said it on the radio lots over the last few weeks. Manchester United and Tottenham, their squads needs ripping up and starting again. And we've done that and we've gone through a few years of pain. It's led to two eighth place finishes. Those clubs seem to be in denial about it. But now this is why now we've got an opportunity to steal into the top four and then consolidate ourselves as a Champions League club while continuing to develop all the time. Because yes, Arsenal have progressed and yes, Arsenal have improved. But the door is open because the competition around us isn't that strong. This is an opportunity based on where they are more than it being that Arsenal have just become so good that we're now the favourites for it. So I think it's important to, to have that in your mindset when watching how the remainder of the season unfolds. In terms of a prediction for the game against Watford, I'm going to go with a 2-0 win for the Arsenal. That is my prediction. Um, but I'm going to leave it there now because the press conference, Mikel Arteta's press conference ahead of the Watford game is just around the corner. So um, I'll catch you all a little bit later on. Don't forget, hit the like button on the way out. Uh, we're still quite a way off of the 100 like target. So guys, please do hit the like button during the outro. Please subscribe to the channel if you're new and I'll be back later for more Arsenal related content. Catch you all then. Goodbye. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.